Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional. Reading once again from Truth for Life by Alistair Begg, uh, the pastor, author, uh, conference speaker, just an amazing man, a good friend to a number of folk here at the Village Chapel. And uh, on the back, I want to read a couple of the comments. Uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, who come to the Village Chapel, say these devotions will help you praise when you are celebrating, will comfort you when you are struggling, will encourage you when you are doubting, and will be a balm when you are hurting. Whoever you are, there is treasure for you in this book, Truth for Life by Alistair Begg. I also see here on the back an endorsement from another one of my favorite Bible teachers, Christopher Ash, from over in the UK. He's a commentator and um, fellow that I've uh, followed a bit in his writings and in his teachings online. He says there is rich nourishment here. Alistair Begg not only understands the scriptures, but lovingly applies them like medicine for the soul. These daily devotions will stretch your mind and warm your heart because they breathe the beauty of Christ. So yes, this would indeed be one of those daily devotionals that uh, I would highly recommend. I'm reading today the selection from, uh, well, this one's actually called April 15, A Choice to Make. Again, uh, it's not April 15 when I'm recording it, and it's probably not April 15 when you're listening to it. I just uh, give you that reference, so in case you buy the book and would like to find this writing in it, you're able to do that. It's called A Choice to Make. Alistair begins by quoting from John 19, verse 19. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And so from the Gospel of John, uh, Pastor Alistair Begg drawing from the crucifixion story and uh, reminding us that the uh, procurator at that time in uh, in Judea was a man named Pilate. And uh, as he gives permission for Jesus to be crucified uh, at the at clamoring of the crowd, um, he wrote this inscription and put it on the cross and it said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. For the Romans, of course, um, uh, they really weren't concerned at all if Jesus was making religious claims. Uh, they began to become concerned when Jesus is cast as a political insurrectionist, somebody who claimed to be king, for instance, as uh, uh, the uh, religious leaders of the time set out to cast Jesus as a political insurrectionist and as one that ought to give the Romans some concern. So here's what Alistair Begg has to say, drawing from that image of the cross with that, uh, that, that sign attached to it above his head, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Begg says, as Jesus was crucified upon the cross... A sign was inscribed and erected over him, proclaiming him to be king of the Jews. While this sign was meant as a taunt, it declared a truth for all to witness. Jesus was and is indeed king. Yet it also should prompt us to ask ourselves, do I really live as though Jesus is king 
of my life. And so here, the gifted Bible teacher, Pastor, Pastor Alistair Begg, is, uh, is, is drawing some application for us and helping us to consider carefully what that might mean for us if we were to call Jesus our King. He goes on, Scripture tells us that the sign was written in three languages, Aramaic, the language of most first century Jews in and around Jerusalem, Latin, the official language of the Roman Empire, and Greek, the popular language of commerce and culture. All that is uh, there in uh, verse 20 of John chapter 19. You can read the account for yourself. In these three languages, witnesses from all across the known world were able to read that Jesus was king. Upon reading the sign, the whole world had to make their choice about who Jesus was to them. And indeed, uh, at that time, uh, Passover, the Feast of Passover would have been happening. And um, uh, the first century Jewish historian uh, Josephus um, estimates that there may have been north of two million people gathered in Jerusalem at the time of that kind of a feast. So, man, the, the city was crowded, the streets were crowded, and the cross uh, likely uh, would have been in a, in a place where it'd be quite visible, some intersection uh, where many travelers from all over the Mediterranean would have come uh, to gather for this feast. And we know as well that there are some Gentiles or Greeks there as well, so not just Jewish people. Um, but as they come for this major feast, uh, they would have seen Christ on the cross. They would have been able to read it in their own language, whether it would be Aramaic or whether it would have been uh, Greek or Latin. So here we see a microcosm of that world, Pastor Begg says, and ours in the range of characters throughout the story of Jesus's death. In Pilate, we see the proud, indecisive, calculating politician. In the soldiers nailing Christ to the cross, we see those focused on carrying out routine business. In those who mock the Lord, we see people whose only interaction with the divine is to sneer at him. In the crowd of passive onlookers, we see those who have no interest at all in eternal matters. But then amid the darkness on a neighboring cross, we see a desperate and dying thief look to the Savior for hope and find it. And in Jesus' nearby family and friends, we see sorrowful but faithful followers standing by Christ and his claims and witnessing his burial in a tomb that would soon be empty. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just such a great part of the story. We must always hold the crucifixion and the resurrection together as two sides of the same coin um, in his crucifixion. Jesus accomplished um, purchasing your salvation and mine, those of us who've trusted in him and believe him. He has paid the price in full once and for all on the cross. And so Jesus finished work on the cross. Uh, just 
such a powerful, uh, world-changing, historic, global event, and yet personal for you and personal for me, those who have chosen uh, to trust and hope in Jesus. The resurrection, the other side of that coin, of course, changes everything, doesn't it, as well? And uh, so I, we always want to hold those two together. And uh, uh, the resurrection becomes a part of literally every uh, every preachment. I think there are 18 or 19 sermons or portions of sermons in the book of Acts, and it's a part of every one of them because this resurrection is that side of that coin with the crucifixion, the other side, and it it, it is what propels the gospel around the Roman Empire. It sweeps the mighty Roman Empire, the story of the the hope of the gospel, and and Jesus not only accomplished you know, purchasing our salvation in his death on the cross, but he also defeated our last and final greatest enemy, death itself, uh, in his glorious resurrection. But um, I want to continue on with this reading here by Alistair Begg. All these people saw the sign, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. All of them saw the man on the cross beneath it, whether hateful or hopeful, all beheld this historic event and all had to reconcile it and the personhood of Christ with their own lives. As the sign hung proclaiming Christ's kingship, Jesus hung proclaiming the most powerful love the world has ever known. And he's so right there, isn't he, Pastor Big? I mean, uh, John Stott has said uh, so many times that at the cross we have the intersection of the justice of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, and the wisdom of God. And right there at the intersection of the vertical beam and the horizontal beam in the heart of Christ, we have all of that on full display, don't we? Well, uh, Alistair Begg goes on to say, the question remains, what are we to do with this display of love? How do we respond? Each of us can find a face in the crowd with which we identify, be it one of the proud, one of the passive, or one of the faithful. All of us are confronting, confronted rather, with the life-changing person of Jesus Christ. How do the cross and the empty tomb affect your relationships, your work, your purpose, or your identity? Great questions. Let me, let me read that again. I think that's important for us to consider as we, as, we, as we approach the subject of the cross itself. How do the cross and the empty tomb affect your relationships? How do the cross and the empty tomb affect your work? How do the cross and the empty tomb affect your purpose, your understanding of your meaning in life and your identity? How do the cross and the resurrection affect the way you consider your identity? This is massively important, really huge. So when people ask the question, what does the death of a man 2,000 years ago on a cross have to do with me? And, and even 
They ask the same kind of question. What's the significance of the resurrection? Why? Okay, 2,000 years ago, a guy got up from the grave. What, what difference does that make to me? And Alistair Begg has really, really highlighted a proper answer here for us. How do the cross and the empty tomb affect your relationship, your work, your purpose, or your identity? If Jesus reigns over you, if he's the king, not only the king of the Jews, but the king of your life, the king of my life, if Jesus reigns over you, his death and resurrection change everything about the way you live and the meaning of your life. There is hope for eternity and purpose for today in looking at this man and agreeing with that sign. Jesus is king. King of the Jews, king of the Gentiles, king of the entire world, and king of your life and mine. So says Pastor Alistair Begg in Truth For Life. That's a devotional well worth purchasing. If you don't have a copy of that, I highly recommend it to you. Published by the Good Book Company. Let me pray for us today as we get this day going. Lord, thank you that you came, that you gave yourself, laid your life down on the cross for me, for us. Those of us who have trusted in you, placed our hope and confidence in you, received the grace and mercy that you offer through your death on the cross and your glorious resurrection. Hallelujah, what a savior. We we are grateful, Lord, uh, as we go through this day as we conduct ourselves uh, throughout the day, as we think about our work, our creativity, our relationships, and even our own sense of understanding of, of who we are. May we look at all of those things and interpret all of them through the lens or the the paradigm, the kaleidoscope, if you will, look through all of it, look through the lens of the cross and the resurrection at all of those things and come to the conclusion that, yes, indeed, Jesus, you are the king we've always needed and the king we've always wanted. We bless you and praise you. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. This podcast is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. Don't forget to also subscribe to one of our other podcasts, Curate's Corner with Kim Thomas. Every Friday throughout the season of Lent, join Kim as she looks at the story of Jesus' last week as told through classic art, prayers, and scriptures. You can subscribe to her podcast on all major platforms, including the Village Chapel YouTube channel, and you can find accompanying resources at lent.thevillagechapel.com. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Kagey.